Buckeyes in the draft, running back poll, and oh, all that and more next on Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. I apologize for absolutely nothing. Like, people do not understand how much this rivalry means. I'm talking complete devastation in Ann Arbor. And the Buckeyes are in the CFP. Can't say honking sausage on the air. What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome back to <laughs> Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. I'm usually the positive person, but that was hot garbage. Oh my god. I'm probably going to lose my freaking job. Dude, are you serious? That's literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. I'm sorry, dude. This is not Michigan State. This is Ohio State. We either win or die trying. Go Bucks. OH. What's up, Buckeye Nation? Welcome to Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. Uh, we're super excited today to be back on the air. We got a great show for you. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of draft. I know the draft just happened. We had some Buckeyes go and some Buckeyes that didn't go as well. So we're going to we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit. And then um, continuing our series that we had going on with the, uh, you know, the best um, best of brackets that we had. We did quarterbacks last week. If you listen, I think we're going to dive into the uh, the old running back bracket this week. I'm pretty excited about it. I've been preparing. What say you, Mr. Davis? Uh, yes to everything. I like that. I like. <laughs> I don't that. know. I was trying to think of something to say in Spanish because I don't even know why that came that. to me. But no, I I got nothing. Teach my wife that she doesn't say that much. It's usually no. Just yes. No. Oh, just no. <laughs> no. I mean, she doesn't have yes in her vocabulary. No, that's correct. Yes. Well, mine doesn't have sorry in her vocabulary, and it carried over to my son because I can't get him to apologize for anything he does wrong either. Dude, isn't so. that funny? Mine doesn't have sorry in her vocabulary, but she swears up and down I was born with sorry in my bloodstream. See, it's just about, <laughs> listen, it's about percentages, man. So it, I know you haven't been married as long this this time around, but I mean, I'm going on nine years here. So I'd have to think out of nine years and you multiply that by how many days a year out of all the arguments we had, there's no way in hell I'm batting zero percent on being correct. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to tell you this much right like, now. Like, how is that? That's fact, not even possible. But I know for a fact you're not anywhere near the Hall of Fame, brother. You're nowhere near that 300. I guarantee it. I may not be near the 300, but I'm not batting zero. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Oh, so I'm due, I'm due some apologies somewhere, but Keep it ain't going to come from that, her. Man. I think we all tell each other that, but that's not true. <laughs> that's fair. So, so let's talk about this uh, draft, dude. Um, yeah, uh, there was one. <laughs> good, good, good intro. <laughs> yeah, there was a draft. For anyone that doesn't know, the NFL, which is the National Football League, does a draft where they take good players from college to come join professional league. Yeah, I wasn't saying like Vietnam. I was thinking like, <laughs> Jesus. Like <the> NFL. <laughs> I don't think people listen for the history lesson. I know. So, dude, let me ask you this. You know, there was there was a lot of speculation going on and a lot of uh, hearsay and talk. Um, did things turn out like you expected? Honestly, no. Uh, in a lot of different ways. I'd like to start with Stroud. Um, you know, and this happens every year and maybe it feels a little more, I mean, it happened with Justin Fields. If you remember last year, the negative talk, the negative vibe that they start trying to, you know, promote about these players that are completely false. If you remember Justin Fields last year, uh, I apologize two years ago was getting the, um, you know, he's, he, he's not a hard worker, this, that, and the other, and 
I mean, he's like one of the first guys in, last guys out. He's like the ultimate team player. But they they spin this negative narrative to try to get these players to drop. And I feel bad for them because they got to sit there and go through that. And I guarantee what they're told is just keep your mouth quiet. Don't respond to anything. And just, you know, hopefully the teams will get it right. Well, in Justin Fields' case, I feel like it did cause him to drop. I mean, there's no way you can sit there and tell me that Justin Fields was not a top 10 pick. He or at least should have been. And he yeah. wasn't. He but was at least a, give me this, dude. Now, do I agree with what they did to CJ? I don't. Okay. Cause I mean, dude, he's just a kid and he's going through all these tests and you know, he's proven himself on the field. I, I will give him that, but you also know how I feel about him. And I've told you there's something in my mind that tells me there's a character flaw there. So when there was a red flag there and I know it was media driven, I understand that, but I wasn't like fully surprised. Yeah, well, I mean, they tried to spin. They got that that test, that mental aptitude test that they give these quarterbacks that apparently it's not even an IQ test. It's just supposed to test reaction, speed reaction, ability to adapt on the fly, things like that. And he apparently scored in like, you know, below the 20th percentile, which means out of 100 quarterbacks, he was in the bottom 20 or less. And whether or not that equates to the field, doesn't even really matter. It's the fact that they use that whole narrative to completely ignore all of the other accolades that he's done on the field and ignore tape and basically say that he, gosh, you know, if he keeps dropping, he may not even be a top 10 pick. And on the other spin of that, they got Will Levis believing that he's the best thing since sliced bread. So that poor bastard shows up to the NFL um, draft day expecting to be a first round pick. And that narrative burned him, too, because it was the opposite. And they do that every year, too, where they pick up some guy that was very average in college and try to spin it and say, man, you know what? He was just underused. He was undervalued. He they wasn't played right, blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, it, it, it's utter chaos. And there was a video I saw where I think it was someone with the Colts organization that they spoke out actively after the draft about – how they're just sick and tired of this narrative constantly being spinned on these young kids to where they're having to go through this crap. And ultimately, sometimes it affects them, sometimes it not, it doesn't on their draft stock. But at the end of the day, they're just sick and tired of every year this narrative being spun. So that I guess I'm basically I'm leading into I was actually surprised, pleasantly surprised, that CJ actually did go number two to the Texans. Yeah, I was too. Um, I honestly thought he would drop because of all the stuff they were saying a little bit. I didn't know how far, and, you know, I'm not a draft guru. I'm no Mel Kuyper or anything like that. Mel um, Kuyper's but, awful, by the way. But I was going to, don't you run Mel Kuyper down. Do not tell me you're a Mel Kuyper fan. I'll quit no, this podcast but a, right now. I am, you know what I am? I am not a fan of anything you like. I, so, I know that. You see That's where I'm at? <laughs> so what if uh, I told you I like Mel Kuyper? Well, and he's a bastard. I mean, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but, uh, you know, I keep thinking, though, CJ, it, it's not a good situation over in Houston that 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 franchise has been a dumpster fire for quite a while. Um, so he definitely has his work cut out for him. I was kind of hoping he would drop a little bit, to be honest with you, so that he could maybe have a chance at some kind of a, a better situation than he got. But, hey, it is what it is. I'm, I'm happy for him. I'll be watching him in the NFL. You know, I'm not, no hard feelings here. Well, I think he's going to be set up because uh, it, it's going to take some time. It's not going to be overnight at all. But I and me and you've talked before, and I don't think we agree on this either, but I feel like he is going to have a long career in the NFL. No, five um, years or under. 
and that's I, I know we talked about this, but I, I disagree. First of all, you know, he's going to get some leeway understanding that it's a rebuild. But the Texans did really good in the draft. I mean, hell, they even traded up to get the number three spot right behind him and get Will Anderson, the best defensive player in the draft, and arguably maybe one of the best in the draft uh, altogether. So they're actively working on improving that roster. And maybe this is signs to show that the Texans are finally going to start trying to work towards building something that's going to be competitive. Dude, I hope you're right, but I know you're wrong. <laughs> well, listen, even let's say even if the Texans ends up being a dumpster fire over the next handful of years, by the time he goes to sign his next contract, he's going to go to another team. He's going to stay in the league. He's still way too valuable of a passer, barring well, any I mean, any major injury or legal issue. I mean, I do. I expect C.J. Stroud to be in the league for quite some time. Well, yeah, if he's if he still has use of both of his legs. Ah. Uh, you know, you know what I'm, saying? <laughs> I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole again, <laughs> but I definitely feel like he has learned. And at this point now, once he finally gets paid, if maybe he doesn't have to worry and hold back anymore, because I'm not familiar with what his guaranteed money is in this initial contract. And obviously he can work towards, you know, usually your bigger contract is your second one. Um you know, that he's going to start implementing more of that place. He's going to have to because no, defenses I was referring are just injury. better in general. Well, oh, you're referring to injury. I was actually referring to him using his legs. I thought that's the pun you were trying well, to make. No, because if he doesn't use his legs, he'll be dead. So, I mean, <laughs> it's a better choice. <laughs> I guess it's so a better it, choice. Well, it goes hand in hand. You know, the legs is still an important part, especially a lot of your successful quarterbacks in the league. I mean, if you look at it, Patrick Mahomes uses his legs. Uh, Jared Allen uses his legs. Uh, Aaron Rodgers for a while has still had the capability of using his legs. So it has to be a factor as a very successful NFL quarterback. Um, but I just I have high expectations for him in the league, to be honest with you. And I know that you're not as much on that plane of thought that I am, but that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not. I think, uh, like I said, I think Justin Fields will have a way longer career in the NFL than he will. Um, and I, like I said, I don't see him being, and even if he is in the NFL for longer than five years, I don't see him, uh, in the, in the top, you know, I'm going to say, I don't see him as a top 10 quarterback. At some point we're going to formulate a bet because I feel strongly enough about Stroud in the NFL long-term and potential. I do agree. It's going to be hard for him to be a top 10 quarterback at, at in Houston unless Houston continues to get better over the years with getting in playmakers and getting an offensive, a good offensive line for Stroud, because I mean, he does more successful when he has a great offensive line. We've not really seen CJ Stroud play with a bad offensive line. You know, he's had Paris uh, Johnson jr. For two years, who was a top three pick in the or top five pick in the, in the draft this year. So, you know, he's had good offensive lines and I'm not going to say that he's going to automatically to a bad offensive line, but you're you're facing Alabama Georgia defense every single week. You know what I mean? Better than that. Regardless of how bad that team is, their defense would still demolish a college team. All those people that say, "Oh well, the best college team could beat the worst NFL team in any given day." No, it's false. Because even the worst NFL team would still beat any great college team. So. You know, they, they definitely need to build things around him. But at some point, we're going to formulate a bet. I haven't figured out the details yet, and it's going to be a long-term bet, but we'll figure something out. Well, I just want to know, are you going to be able to come out of the Snuggie that you and him obviously share at night um, in order to make that bet? 
Are you at will to play for that kind of stuff? Well, it's it's a two-person Snuggie. I mean, that's the reason why they make them that way. It's comfortable. There's one arm sleeve for him. There's one for me. So you can so, knock it all you want. Knock it till you try it. Knock it till you try it. That's I what mean, I do. It's the same Snuggie that you passed down to me after you and Kenny Guyton shared it. I'm going to tell you what right now, dude. That's because me and Kenny Guyton don't need a freaking Snuggie, bud. Be careful. <laughs> well, what about what about everybody else? What I mean, so obviously, any surprises? It, well, to finish out the first round, obviously, Paris Johnson Jr. goes in the top five. And then the first wide receiver off the board was Jackson Smith and Jigba, which was pretty much expected amongst uh, the majority of the analysts. And then after that, there was kind of a significant drop off. Um, Dewan Jones, who a lot expected could be an end of the first round, early second round player, didn't even go to the third round. And a lot had to do with the possibility that he might be slightly injured, but also because he's kind of let himself go a little bit. He was always a ginormous human being, which means he had to take extra care of trying to stay in shape, stay in the gym. Uh, But reports were that, you know, he was pushing 400 pounds and he's slow and he might have sustained some sort of foot injury in what the senior bowl or whatever that end of the year college bowl that they invite some of these guys to. Mm -hmm. So there's a reason he dropped a little bit, but I think his potential is still there, but I was a little surprised he dropped that much, but I wasn't really that surprised by kind of the rest. I mean, if you want to go through the list, it's Luke Whipler. um, You have Tanner McAllister. You have um, help me out here. Cam Brown, um, Ronnie Hickman. I mean, a lot of these guys that went, well, first of all, most of those didn't even get drafted. Luke Whipler, I think, got get drafted. Luke Whipler yeah. got picked at, you know, picked up in the maybe the sixth round. But we, you know, it's like when he, you know, declared for the draft, we all kind of were like, really? Like, are you sure? You know, he yeah. didn't feel like he was someone that was ready to go. And I think it surprised the coaching staff at Ohio State too, which is kind of why we're in a little bit of a scramble with our offensive line this year because they have to now fill in that center spot that they didn't expect to have to. And it showed because he did not go very high at all. I mean, I was a little surprised by Ronnie. I'm not going to lie. Uh, now, he didn't have the same year last year that he had the year before when he was just all over the place. Um, but I thought that was, you know, really attributed to the, you know. Better linebacker better play. Yeah. Better you know linebacker I mean? play. We, better defensive line play overall as a whole. But the point is he's shown on on the big stage what he can do what he needs to do, you know, now his numbers weren't inflated, like we talked about, you know, due to better defensive play, but, but I still feel like, you know, I kind of thought he might go in the later rounds. I was just, I was a little bit surprised by that, but uh, I really think that he'll probably be good enough to catch on somewhere. I know that, uh, that I think Cleveland, right? Cleveland's given him a shot. Yeah. Um, they picked him up off a free agency. Yeah. Or the undrafted, whatever they call it. I would be shocked if he didn't make a team. I would. Yeah, so there, so there was a, a handful that didn't get drafted, and the majority of them are on defense. And that's the point that I would like to ultimately pull from this draft is that you know our three first-round picks were all on offense, and that's to be expected because our offense was top five in the country. Um, our defense, even though much improved from the previous year, still showed a lot of weaknesses by the end of the year. And... We're battling with the question, is this coaching at this point? Is it personnel at this point? Uh, Is it effort? Like, what is going on with why the defense is still having issues in these bigger bigger matchups at the end of the year? And I think that showed you right there with a handful of these guys that went, that were all starters, uh, either went real late or didn't get drafted. 
So what is that telling you? Is that a coaching issue or a personnel issue? To me, I, dude, I have to read it like they're like they're writing it to me. I mean, for years, you and I talked about the fact that we were pissed off because we would have um, these great players on defense that would get drafted high in the NFL and be starters. And they'd be, you know, you're talking about first-year starters in the NFL. And we'd be like, what are we doing here? Why Why could we not do this? Why could and we you not saw that under that? Urban Meyer a lot. You oh, saw yeah. that under Urban Meyer a lot, uh, a lot where these guys were like, you know, not big-time playmakers at Ohio State, but all of a sudden they're getting drafted real high and they're turning out to be studs in the NFL. And you're like, where was the disconnect there? That was coaching. Yeah, now we're now we're doing the exact opposite. Now so maybe, it's not maybe, coaching. It's it's the personnel. Now maybe Knowles is getting a, a worse rap than he should be. You know, I I don't know. I think uh, I think as we're rotating personnel, if we rotate personnel and have the same coach here, I think we're going to be able to tell pretty quick whether or not that was the case. And I ultimately, that's what I really believe. I believe that uh, this is finally going to be the year that we are going to see very close to what we had in 2019. Uh, very close to, you know, having more playmakers on the line like we did with the the Bosa's and with Chase Young. Uh, maybe not necessarily on an individual basis, but as a team whole. Because, I mean, we did not have a lot of sacks last year. Our leading sack uh, person was still what Jack Sawyer with like three and a half sacks. And he didn't even play on the line half the time. So... I really feel like they're going to, you know, with moving Jack back up to the line and with some of these young players that are coming in, um, Sonny Styles to name one. We have the transfer, uh, Ibigson from Ole Miss, uh, Jahad Carter from Syracuse, if he's still okay after his injury. Uh, and then just another year in the system for Lathan Ransom, who showed flashes. I mean, blocked two punts. Uh, made some good plays, some interceptions, but then made some bonehead plays. But Dude, another year you, in the system. I don't think right away. I'm not saying that. I think, and I told you this before, I think Lorenzo coming from Notre Dame, I watched a ton of his tape because I was excited for him to come. I think eventually, dude, I think he's going to contribute to this defense. And I mean that. It may not even be this year. It may be the year after. But I'm telling you, dude, that's a good get. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, at they they say that um, Burke is uh, kind of back to his freshman form, if not better. You we'll know, I, I'm just really fully expecting <laughs> this defense. You're right. We have to see it. I mean, we didn't see it much last year. but Yeah, because you know why? Because I do the Harry Doyle every time they throw the ball. I go, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I, I agree with you in the fact that, you know, we need to see this. I mean, we've heard a lot of positive talk. But at the same time, you know, it, it's always what came first, the chicken or the – what? You're still on something. I'm still laughing about Eric Doyle. I don't know why, dude. That line – You can't pull up a major league quote in the middle and expect us, expect us to get through the conversation. Oh, oh shit. Oh, hell. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. I'm back, I'm back in the game. Go on. Go on. I'm back in the well, game. Dude, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. But anywho – so ultimately, what we're seeing because of this draft process is that we're seeing the weakness in personnel on the defensive side. And I feel like who we really have in now, I know we still have not been recruiting the best on the defensive side, but we've we've hit and missed in parts. And I think we have enough parts, especially with a couple of transfers, that we have the potential to be really solid this year on defense. So 
even though, you know, I'm not much of an NFL draft person, I enjoy, you know, some of my favorite players watching where they go and then kind of really keeping up with those NFL teams as the years go on. But, you know, for the most part, it's not like, you know, it's must must watch TV for me. But I thought it was a very interesting trend to see and how surprising it was that a handful of those guys, I mean, big time starters that we relied upon didn't even get drafted. Well, you know, that's what, unheard of at Ohio. You State. have never formally adopted an NFL team. You have never declared allegiance, and I won't to an NFL team, and I won't because Ohio State's been my NFL team. You know, what I mean that—that's live, breathe, and die everything Columbus. I mean that—that's where I'm at. If you want to start where it first began, the first starter jacket I ever got was probably a hand-me-down from Salvation Army, but it was a Jacksonville Jaguar starter jacket. So maybe yeah. I was a maybe I was a Jaguars fan from the very get-go. I don't remember. To be perfectly honest, the NFL teams that I watch that I try to keep up with are the ones where my favorite Ohio State players go. And it's not bandwagon. It's not anything like that. I mean, I will always support the Ohio teams in general. So I will support Cincinnati if they're doing well and the Browns if they're doing well. But outside of that, I mean, for a while there, I was a Saints fan. But me and you had stake in the game because, you know, we went to school with Lance Moore. So he, that, that was a team that I rooted for. So that, and I don't mind that. I don't mind switching around. Like I, I pay attention to the bears now for a while there. I pay attention to the Cowboys because of Zeke. Like mm-hmm. I do find it interesting to be more involved with the NFL because I'm following my favorite players. Yeah. Well, so that's always that's the way defense. I've been. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll never end up picking a team by the way. I mean, Dude, I, I'm telling you. And because you like the room. Bills, I, and because you like the Bills, I hope they go zero sixteen this year. Come on, dude. There's plenty of room on the Bills Mafia wagon over here, bud. I'm not jumping on a bandwagon. On, and like man. you said, anything that you that I like, you said you're going the other way. I'm the same way. So I I hope your team goes zero sixteen this year, and man, they trade harsh, away their man. first round draft pick. That's harsh because I'm telling you right now, the day, and I've told people this. There are certain people, and I'm and I'm not going to tell you whether you're on the list or not. I'm just going to tell you there is a list. I'm on the list. And when the Bills finally do win the Super Bowl one of these days, I'm going to personally drive to every person's house individually. And as soon as you – I'm going to ring the doorbell, and as soon as you open it, dude, I'm dropping one knee, and I'm going to punch you right in the freaking groin. And you're going to know why. There's not going to be a question, okay? You're just going to understand that that was deserved after all these years. <laughs> you made the list. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not on that list, but I'm on your Yankees list. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I know I'm on your Yankees list, but I'm not on the Bills list. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give you. I don't really give you any crap about Buffalo, but New York, I give you crap all the time for them. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially since they're in what last place right now in the AL East. Pretty uh, sure last time I checked. It's bad, dude. It's bad well, right it's now. Your defense, though, it's the only division in baseball that every single team of the division has a winning record. That's so. True. I guess but that's something. To be honest, we are uh, we're just above 500 with a little leagues team out there. Like literally 70 percent of the rosters on the IL, but that's all right. Uh, let's get to these running backs, dude. I'm ready to so, talk about these running yeah, backs. I've let's been waiting ahead, to talk about these running backs. Let's go ahead and get to our 16 seated brackets. So for those oh, of you that shit. don't remember, <laughs> don't do it again, man. <laughs> Listen, you're bringing me back, dude. I have a million quotes I want to say too, but you know, 90 percent of them we can't say here. Yeah. It's just going to be beep. <laughs> All right. So we, we gotten a lot of feedback and I know you have individually, some of your friends at list and some of my friends, even some other people have reached out. They really enjoy that 16 seed bracket. 
And our goal over this entire offseason is to cover pretty much almost every single position group. Uh, we haven't decided how we're going to cover offensive, defensive lines yet, or even cornerbacks or safeties. Uh, we may combine those in, you know, like a defensive backfield and a defensive line. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. But we started with, obviously, on the offense and skill players because it's easier to do. And uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback that people really enjoy this. So we're going to continue this and get through uh, a lot of this stuff the entire offseason. And then even some other good ideas we got is things like best play, uh, um, biggest hits, um, things like that, most memorable moments, whatever it may be, you know, and have some sort of bracket. And then at the end of the day, when we finish this offseason, we're going to take all these winners from all these brackets and we're going to put those into a 16 seed bracket and come out with an overall winner for the entire summer. And dude, it's going to be awesome. It's going to create some great debate. Uh, I know we're going to argue some on this one. Uh, The one we have coming up the following week is going to be wide receivers, which is going to be insanely difficult to do. It it might even have to be one where we're going to break the rule and make it like a 32 seed bracket instead of a 16. It has to be. There's so, so many. good. There's so many, but that's that one. That one's going to be tough, which really begs to differ. We've always been kind of known as DBU in the past, but is Ohio State really wide receiver you? Because I'm starting to think it really is now. Well, I'm hoping this year we can find a way to be QBU. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'll be honest. Ever since Ryan Day's taken, you know, taking control of the offense and then move forward to head coaching, we've been a lot more Q- QBU than we ever have in the past. I'll so that, there's man. potential there too. But anywho, uh, we're going to get to our 16 C's here. I'm going to go ahead and read them off. Um, now, full disclosure here, this isn't in the entire history of Ohio State. Like I'm not pulling players from the 1920s or the 50s or the 60s. Uh, to be fair, this is within our lifetime. So over the past 35 to 40 years is kind of our range. So if we've left someone out off these brackets, which obviously in this running back bracket, we are not including Archie Griffin. And it wouldn't be fair because he would win it, obviously, and there wouldn't be much of a discussion. But he's outside of our lifetime of watching, you know, since we've been alive. So we're not including. This is going to be more, a little more recency bias. But, you know, over the last 35 to 40 years. Okay. So are you ready for the 16 seeds, Mr. Chad? I already know. That's right. Because I was texting to you. But, you know, it just felt like a good segue into it. I know. that's, And I knew you felt that way. That's why I stomped it down. Okay. You're on one tonight. All right. I knew you were on one the second we even got on the call. And I was like, Jesus, were you just looking at yourself in the mirror, just like talking, talking crap to yourself the entire time, like amping yourself up for a game or something? That's true. Well, you had to restart your computer about 14 times. And I asked you if it was carbureted. You're like, I got to get this computer restarted. I'm like, dude, is that thing from 1975 or what's what's the deal? I told you I'm running MS DOS still. (laughs) I got to I got to close down Oregon Trail so I can get this thing to work. Uh, all right, here all we right go. man, give it to us. All right, so in order, our number one seed is Eddie George. Our number two seed is Ezekiel Elliott. Our number three seed is J.K. Dobbins. Our number four seed is Keith Byers. Our number five seed is Chris Beanie Wells. Our number six seed is Maurice Claret. Our seven seed is Robert Smith. Our eight seed is Carlos Hyde. Our nine seed is Lydell Ross. Our ten seed is Curtis Samuel. Our 11th seed is Antonio Pittman. Our 12th seed is Michael Wiley. 
Our 13th seed is Peppy Pearson. Our 14th seed is Trey Sermon. Our 15th seed is Boom Heron. And our 16th seed to wrap out this bracket is Mike Weber. And it was kind of a stretch for that one, but I felt better to go there than Master Teague. So mm. early, early feelings on the ranking there. Did I hit? Did I miss? I don't see anything wrong with it. There wasn't anything where I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's horse. You know, now <laughs> we also didn't include yeah. any current running backs and it's not because that was a rule, but it's because I don't feel like any of them currently on the roster deserve to be there. Mayan Williams is probably the closest one that deserves to, but I still feel like we haven't seen enough and there's not incredibly amount the not incredible amount of hype enough with them for me to feel like to include them in the top 16. So yeah, I'm not saying in the future, we don't include someone that's still a current player that still hasn't fully, you know, completed their career at Ohio state. And the last thing too, before we go through this is, you know, both you and I have different ways that we go about judging these or analyzing these. Um, we didn't specifically say it's all about your Ohio State career. However, for me, that's more what I look for. And if you're talking how they've done in the NFL after that, that's kind of more maybe a tiebreaker for me. Now, you may see it more holistically. I think we've talked about it. I but do. you do kind of look more at their at the total picture because, I mean, there's still always Buckeyes, even when they're playing in the NFL. But for me, it's more what have they done at Ohio State for me. See, I guess I lean more towards Ohio State career, of course. But when you ask me the question, who's the best running back? I'm thinking, who's the best running back? And I may, you know, as a third go-to, lean on what they did in their NFL career. Because, you know, that tells you, you know, were they a flash in the pan? Or did they go on to have a successful career or even a Hall of Fame career, you know, in the NFL? You know, and so that kind of factors in a little bit. You know what I mean? To me. I'm, I'm a portion of that. I'm not completely on the same side but i'm a portion of that and i think you'll see that with some of our arguments so and because you know we're to be perfectly honest too when we lead into this we have not already talked about who is moving forward in each matchup like we do that now you know we've not pre preemptively decided we're going to talk about this uh or who we have moving forward or anything you know no the only I'm thing i share hoping. with you is the only thing i share with you is the rankings and the matchups and then yeah. boom, we get on here and we go but I am hoping that after last week, you have some remorse after what you did to Kenny Guyton. And I hope you didn't do that to anybody this week. God, you and Kenny. So <laughs> because of that, and because I let you have Kenny Guyton moving forward, I still feel like you owe me one in this bracket somewhere. We'll see. We'll All see. Right. So let's go to our first matchup. We have number one, Eddie George against number 16, Mike Weber. Dude, I, don't, I mean, do we need to talk much? Eddie George. Yeah, Eddie George, obviously Heisman winner, Mike Weber. Um Mike Weber. Not Heisman winner. <laughs> Definitely not Heisman winner. Uh, yeah, uh, he did have a good career, though. Second team Listen, the only 10. thing I ever remember him for was going nuts against Michigan State. Dude, he had a pretty good career, man. Freshman of the year in 2016. Uh, 6.1 yards of carry over his career at, at Ohio State. I mean, he had a, he had some pretty well, some pretty I decent th- stats. But but to be fair, I, not think, George stats. I think you can plug in a lot of quarterbacks, even with lesser talent on that style of Ohio state team. And they're going to get similar statistics. I mean, I I don't ever recall any wow moments from Mike Weber. Uh, He was very serviceable. He's what we needed at that time. Um, We didn't really take too much of a step back by having him as a starter, but um, you know, he's definitely not a wide receiver that stands out. 
in my opinion. Yep. So we got Eddie George. Yeah, Eddie George moving on. All right. Next matchup, we have our eight against our nine seed. That is Carlos Hyde against Lydell Ross. Dude, give me Carlos. Yeah, Carlos, and this is one of the times, too, where, you know, I do kind of take the NFL career into account. And I'll tell you what, man, he had a long NFL career. I mean, he was in the league for a long time, and he was successful for a while there at San Francisco. Um, And Carlos Hyde was a beast. I mean, even when he played for Ohio State, I mean, he he was more of that, you know, that we see now, that um, Mayan Williams style of runner. And he was pretty durable. He was very trustworthy. And even though Lytle Ross was still a really good player, and I remember him growing up, uh, and he was very, very uh, serviceable and quality running back as well, but Carlos Hyde kind of takes it for me there. Even though it's the 8-9 matchup and it's supposed to be a little closer, I feel like Carlos Hyde has that one by a significant amount. He did, and you know, while I was looking up the statistics on these uh, running backs, you know, obviously I know them from my experience and how I relate to them, but I still wanted to look at their stats so I was, you know, as accurate as could be. Um you know, I noticed that really kind of 3,000 yards in a career, and I'm talking about the, I'm, I'm going to call it the pre-running back by committee era, okay, where a running back stayed at Ohio State for three to four years. You know, a 3,000-yard career rushing is pretty much the line. You know, you have a some be- uh, above that and some below that, but that's a pretty good Median to judge, and he he was above three thousand yards, thirty one ninety eight. I mean, and that's you're in some uh, some slim company when you get that to those numbers. So I always say that's the position group that you have the best chance of having young kids start, or you have the best chance of like they're not going to sit for two years behind a starter and not play at all, and then finally get a shot. You know, because of the beating that the running back takes. Uh, they will definitely rotate you in, and you're going to get a lot of opportunities throughout a year, even as a young kid, to build up these stats. Yeah. And so I think some of the – that's why I didn't really look a lot at the overall statistics, and that's not what I based the rankings on. I mean, you may be like, well, did you have so-and-so this ranking? I mean, he had over 4,000 yards at Ohio State. I mean, a lot of this is just kind of based off of feel based off of the eye test and based off of uh, some individual awards, because, you know, I don't really recall uh, Lionel Ross getting any significant awards. Do you now, uh, I could be no. wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I mean, he could have gotten first team all conference for all I know. I mean, I'm just not really that aware of anything spectacular standing out for him. Not off the top of my head. I mean, he, he had a very, you know, he had above an above average career, but it's still, it's, it's not on um, Hyde's level. Okay, so our next matchup is our four against our 13. That is Keith Byers against Pepe Pearson. We got two older players here. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie to you, man. Uh, Actually, this was one of the more intriguing matchups for me um, because I didn't know a ton about uh, Pepe Pearson. Um, And it's not that I didn't know a ton about him. I guess I didn't realize a lot about him. Yeah, we we watched him, but when we watched him, we were kids. You know, we weren't really paying attention to the to the degree that we do today dude he is the ninth all-time leading rusher in ohio state history that is a, a stat to be kind of astounded by um and i didn't really know all the stuff you know he had four straight bowl appearances uh he was all big 10 um you know he had he did have some shining moments dude and he's got some stats to match it um but for me still 
Dude, it's got to be Keith Byers, dude. It has to be, man. He's got all the accolades to go with it um, and the stats to go as well. But I will say this, dude. The way that this thing matched up, it was closer than I thought, but I still took Keith Byers. Yeah, Keith Byers, I'm pretty sure. Was he runner-up for the Heisman? Uh, I believe he was. Um, dude, he won. He was two-time. Uh, two-time All-American first team two-time All-Big Ten. Yeah. Dude, but here's what killed me, dude. In, in this list of all these guys, okay, I mean, you're looking down at it. You're like, oh, okay, this guy's got 26, 27 touchdowns, 30, whatever, dude. This guy had 46 touchdowns at Ohio State. That it's number is huge. It's a lot, man. Yes. Yeah. But you got to think. I mean, we've had this. I know we, we've talked and had this argument. I don't know if we've had this argument on the podcast, but that was a different day and age in football. Ohio State was not a sling it around the yard. As a matter of fact, they were never really much of a sling it around the yard until maybe a couple of years in the tr- uh, for Trestle. Uh, and then not until later in Urban Meyer's career. You know, it was just a different day and age where they relied a lot more upon the run game. So I agree. Yeah. Are they getting more of the benefit of the doubt because they were in that era? Or is that the, the or do those numbers still mean something? You know, how much of that recency bias is going to be towards more recent players because of the new system they're in where it's a lot more pass happy? Dude, so, yeah, you can argue. Honestly, you can argue it both ways. And to me, though, I would argue on the other side of it saying that. Um, yes, uh, we weren't throwing the ball like we did back then, but also everyone knew we were running it and we still ran it. That's fair. I mean, that's a good point too. You know, I mean, that, that, that's a very good point too. So, all right. So obviously we're going to have Keith Byers moving on. Okay. So let's get to our five against our 12 seed matchup. The, the five seed was Chris Beanie Wells and our 12 is Michael Wiley. So I'll let you go first one more time and then I'll kind of go first on the second half of these first round matches. Dude, you know how I feel about Beanie. I don't like, like him. him. No, I know. You don't Dude, like I think him. he's like softer than snuggle dryer sheets. You know what I mean? Like I just don't. Um, but you cannot deny the guy. Dude, talent. he's ten ply. Are you telling me he's ten ply? I am telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what is that letter K? Dude, he's softer than ten ply. Yeah. <laughs> but you also can't deny um, his talent. Um, yeah, he didn't want to run the ball, but he still could. Um, so I, I, I still have to go with him on this one, dude. Yeah. For, for as big a guy as he was to have the speed, the breakaway speed that he actually had, uh, and how important he was to those middle 2000 seasons, especially, uh, uh, he had an excellent game against Michigan in 2006 when it was that one versus two matchup. I mean, he has too many important moments for me in Ohio state history. Uh, and him having freaky talent to not put him forward, even though he did have some downfalls with, you know, turf toe and some injuries and a lot of things that kind of kept him out. So uh, Michael Wiley, uh, he was one that I kind of barely remember growing up watching, but I do recall, you know, again, another really quality running back at Ohio State. But for me, it's not much of an argument. I'm going Beanie Wells moving forward. Yep. All right, so second part of the first round here is number two, Ezekiel Elliott against 15, Boom Heron. And I know how you feel about Boom Heron, but yeah. I think Boom Heron is a better running back than people give him credit for. But I just didn't like his mustache. I got to listen. He already he already gets demoted a little bit for me because he played with Terrell Pryor. And oh, so that's where we're headed. Okay. Yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's not much of an argument. Zeke Elliott. I was going to say, you know, by landslide. Yeah, you're talking by Zeke landslide in the there. Very top echelon of this bracket. So yeah, no, no, no question. But shout out to Boom Heron. You know his actual first uh, name? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, Daniel. I was Darren. Isn't it Daniel? Sharon. It's one of the two. Sharon. <laughs> Something. You mean I don't know? I thought it was Sharon? Daniel Boom Heron. Daniel, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so did you ask me a trivia question about what his name was and then have the wrong answer? <laughs> no, I just didn't know the answer. <laughs> I just oh, asked you. That's good. Well, that's fine. Oh, I didn't say good. I knew the answer. I just asked you. <laughs> I was like, hey, do you know his first name? <laughs> well, you are oh, right. It right. is Daniel. Yes, I believe it is Daniel. Actually, if we're wrong, I'm sure we'll get grilled on it. But Oh, for sure. All right, Robert Smith is our number seven seed, and Curtis Samuel is our number ten. So we have our seven ten matchup. And I, I'll tell you, I have Curtis Samuel moving on. Uh, Robert Smith again, another older running back. Um, but I think Curtis Samuel was just, uh, and it's not really a recency bias. I like Curtis Samuel because he was more of a hybrid. Um, I know we still technically count him as a running back, but he could do an awful lot. You can kind of put him out in the slot. Sometimes you can run him in sweeps. He could do some wide receiver screens, some jet sweeps. He could do a lot of things outside of the, the simple running back role that he initially started with. And just because he was so, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Because, (laughs) because he could do so many different things. Um, I, that's, kind of gave me the nose up on him. So I'm having Curtis Samuel over Robert Smith. I am going to have to disagree big time. You're talking about Robert Smith. Now, this is one of the ones, dude, that I'm going to probably invoke the uh, professional football statistical guidelines for here. You're talking about a guy that had, I think he was in the NFL like eight years, man. He was all pro. Did he play for the Vikings? Two-time pro bowler. Yep, for the Vikings, dude. Yeah. You're talking about a guy that, you know, dude, he had a very prolific NFL career. He did. Now, you know, Curtis Samuel is a is a great running back. I'm not going to say anything. And, yeah, he was that hybrid guy. He reminded me of, like, the, you know what I mean, just that that elusive kind of back that you can, you can do anything with. You can throw it to him. You can make it run him. But, dude, if I really look at it, dude, if you're asking me who today is the better running back, it has to be Robert Smith. To me, it has to be. I mean, I don't know, man. Now I get it, dude. Robert Smith had kind of a little bit of a sketchy career at Ohio State. A lot of people don't know that he actually played a year um, and then actually kind of quit the football team and took like a track scholarship. Um, and then was actually going to transfer out. And, and actually, uh, John Cooper talked him into staying to Ohio State, and he, and he played another year. So it was kind of a little bit sketchy. But if you're asking me who's the better running back today, dude, Robert Smith, dude. Robert it Smith sounds it sounds to me like you're using more of that NFL as what he did in the NFL as the deciding factor, not as like a tiebreaker. It's almost kind of like or uh, to me, it feels like you're demeaning more of what Curtis Samuel was because he was able to catch the ball out of the backfield because he was able to go into wide receiver formations and do more. So I understand where you're coming from because you're trying to make the point. This is our running back bracket as a running back. So are you telling me that I should really only account for the times that he was more truly a running back or should I re- can I still reasonably account for the fact that he was that hybrid that can do a bunch of different things? You could, so, but that hybrid doesn't so the make second you a that running he goes back. out into yeah, so the second that you know, 
as a pre-snap, you know, change, whatever, he runs out of the backfield and goes over and gets in a five-wide formation. So now that he's in that position, can I not really count account for him being a running back in that position? Can I not count those stats? Can I not count the times that he was important? Can I not count the time that he helped us beat Michigan in double overtime? I mean, that he's yeah, that iconic. That. that he's had a that iconic moment. How many iconic moments do you remember with Robert Smith? Um, I know this much. Have you looked up the stats on Robert Smith? I have. They're better than Curtis Samuels <laughs> <laughs> by a lot, <laughs> right? But I we've established that we're not always going by stats either. And so let me ask you this: how how strongly do you feel about this? Because you already owe me one for the Kenny Guyton crap that I let you have, dude, even though I know Robert you weren't Smith happy with Curtis that. Samuel. It's not even, dude. It's not even a contest. It's really not. Uh, you're talking about a guy. Robert Smith is a a monumental running back in the NFL as well. Um, probably one of the best representatives as far as like a pro career is saying um, moving forward in the NFL in the running back position anyway. Um, and you're talking about a guy that only played two years and had better stats than the guy you're talking about that played three. So, okay. I I'll let you have Robert it. Smith I'll let did. you have it, but I feel like you kind of owe me one because I don't like know, I said, dude, if, I, if we don't agree, we never end the episode. But here, here's the thing, dude. You know what I mean? Like uh, I may owe you one, but that doesn't mean you're getting it. Yes, it does. <laughs> according to my wife and according to your wife, it absolutely does. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. So don't don't you can't sit here and lie to me. OK, who you got next? All right. So for the record, we do have Robert Smith moving on. Uh, next one is number three, J.K. Dobbins, 14, Trey Sermon. Uh, I will start. I'll make it pretty simple. J.K. Dobbins all day. However, Trey Sermon, kind of honorable mention, has the Ohio State record for most rushing yards in a game against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, and what could have been in the national title game had he not broke his clavicle, his collarbone, in the first dang play of the game against Alabama. Now, do I think that still would have mattered? Probably not in that game, but at least it could have been a closer match. But Trey Sermon is still worthy of being on this list just because he does hold an Ohio State rushing record. Yeah, And because when he finally got his legs under him and he was electric, he was electric. I mean, he even played amazing against Clemson, too, in the first round of the CFP that year. I like so, Trey Sermon. Um, I do like Trey Sermon. It took him a little while to get kind of accustomed to Ohio State, but when he started being him and healthy, he was him. He yeah. really was him. But J.K. Dobbins, man, I'm sorry. He's one of my favorites. Dude. He's one of my absolute favorites of all time. So like I, said, I, I wish Trey... I wish Trey could have been a Buckeye longer. Um, I wish we didn't just get him for the short time that we did get him. Um, but I, I am glad that he was here. But, dude, it's J.K. all day, bub. And our last first-round matchup, we have number six, Maurice Claret, against number 11, Antonio Pittman. The debate is here. Antonio Pittman had a much longer career. Uh, I do not think Antonio Pittman was as talented. But how are we defining best running back? Are we going more potential? Are we going more overall career? Because we know that Maurice Claret still didn't even pan out at all in the NFL and ultimately led to a a lot of crime and, you know, legal issues that he dealt with on and off the field, well, all off the field. Uh, you know, I after, guess I guess the best way issues. To would be this. You are the Ohio State football coach. OK, and you get to keep one of these players and the other one's going to transfer. I guess that's a, a good way to look at it. Who is the yeah, best running Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. My mind's made up. I'm just trying to set the preface here where, you know, this is this is 
most people would think automatically Maurice Claret. Okay. And I would not disagree. I'm just saying it's not fair to Antonio Pittman or anyone that would go up against Maurice Claret because of, I guarantee 95% of them are all going to have a much bigger and a much better statistical career than what he had. Now, do I think he was done wrong with some boosters that ultimately led down him down a, a bad path? Absolutely. But if anyone knows how Maurice Claret is to this day, he's an amazing human being. You can see him all over Twitter, all over on, on social media, and he's an advocate. I mean, he he's he's learned his truth. He's he's gone through adversity, and it's amazing that he's come out on the other end. So maybe even just as a nod to the type of human being that he has become and just remembering that magical 2002 season, I had Maurice Claret going through to the next round. I did, and it really wasn't much of a conversation. Dude, he was a phenom, 100%. I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to have him for the entirety of his career. So, um, But just what he did in that season was so special. And, uh, you know, the joy that it brought me and just the talent that he had, the raw talent, dude. I, I have to go Maurice Claret. I'm sorry. Now, let me ask you this. Um, when we finally get to like the top 16 plays over the last 35, 40 years for Ohio State, I can guarantee you one play will be on there because I've still never forgotten it. And that is Craig Krenzel throwing a pick in the red zone in the First national of all, championship all you game. To say. You just summed my- up Craig Krenzel's career right there in one. <laughs> sentence there's a reason well actually craig krenzel did make our top 16 but he didn't make it past first round but (laughs) um you know when's the last time you've heard of a quarterback throwing interception and the running back runs down the the defensive player and strips the ball back and especially on the biggest stage in college football in a key moment dude i'm telling you maurice claret he's just built different I've, I I still feel like we were cheated him. You know, there's a handful. Of, hell, we may even do another bracket for players we felt cheated on. Mm-hmm. Short, shortened, shortened careers that what could have been. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great bracket that we should probably do in the future too. But uh, Maurice Claret all day. Yep. All right, that leads us into our second session. Uh, we are now in our Elite Eight. Eddie George against Carlos Hyde. Um, again, you know what I mean? It's not that I, I I don't want to put it this way, dude. It's everybody knows the brackets about matchups. Okay. It's not about, you know, the skill Carlos. I was a great running back at Ohio state, but uh, dude, Eddie George is Eddie George. Um, you know, and I have to be totally honest with you, you know, that doesn't mean he's going to make it there. It depends on the matchups, but for me, dude, he's in the top probably two in this list for me. So I got Eddie George all day. Yeah, it's hard to argue against Eddie George. I mean, he's a Heisman winner. Um, He was an amazing running back for Ohio State. He's a really well-spoken human being, great person, and a a fantastic career with Tennessee in the NFL. So um, it's still clearly Eddie George. Yep. All right, next matchup in our lead eight is Keith Byers and Chris Beanie-Wells. Oh, man. Um, dude, Keith Byers all day long. Um, I don't <laughs> yeah, think I like you're building, building suspense there. Yeah, I don't think I really need to go into it. We've talked about them both quite a bit in the first round. Um, I think Beanie had the potential to be a phenom at Ohio State. Instead, he was a really good running back at Ohio State, but he had his flaws. Um, you know, I, I just feel like Keith Byers had a better career, and I feel like he was a better overall running back to me, man. So Keith Byers. 
I'm not going to argue much either. Uh, I have Keith Byers as well. So really, we've only, I think, actually disagreed on one of these matchups so far. So we might have the same Final Four. Let's go ahead and see. Our next yeah, matchup well, I wouldn't is let Zeke you Elliott. do to Robert Smith what you did to freaking Kenny G. So I took Robert Smith. I'm not going to let you do that to him. That's fine. And now you owe me two. So <laughs> we're at two now. We'll just keep the list growing. All right. Zeke Elliott, Robert Smith. Uh, it's gotta be Zeke, dude. I mean, you know, like I said, we've talked about him in the first round, so I don't want to beat a dead horse. Um, but so Zeke you'll have a, Robert Smith's back, but the second you get, you'll throw him right underneath the train. Is that what I'm getting? Absolutely, dude. I'm not for me. Do we not know this? I'm not for me, bud. You know what I mean? Sure. 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 <laughs> Greenbacks and 12 whatever, packs, brother. Whatever Green you got to tell yourself packs. to help yourself sleep at night is fine by me. <laughs> you no, do dude, you. You and I both know it's kind of the same situation where we had with the uh, with the quarterback list where you argue one of them and then but it doesn't matter because the next round they come up against just a juggernaut and it's over with. It doesn't matter really because Ezekiel Elliott, I'm sorry, but what he did in the 2014 season was magical at the end of the year. I mean, may not ever be eclipsed with what he done over the last three games of the season. So um, we'll get into that in more detail next matchup. But Dude, Zeke, you're gonna laugh Zeke at this. all day. So I was doing my Zeke. Uh, my Zeke profile stats, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm studying all these guys. I'm writing everything down. And, you know, I write down, I go, Zeke Elliott, 3,961 yards, 6.7 yards per carry, 43 touchdowns. And I said, received enough awards to kill a small horse. That's what I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude. Listen, he he was a special running back, man. He was a special running back, and he was a much-needed running back for us at that time with the adversity that we were going through in in that season. And we'll, we'll get more into detail with that, and I guarantee most of our listeners understand what we're already talking about. But he carried that team to a national title, man. He did. Yeah. I mean, there were other parts in play, don't get me wrong, but he was magical. So we'll get back to that. So our final Elite Eight matchup is J.K. Dobbins and Maurice Claret. And, man, I'll be honest, even though I'm at J.K. all day still, it hurt my feelings to have Maurice Claret go this early because Maurice Claret is still another what-if. Man, if you could have given him another full season or another two full seasons, Maurice could have been number one on this list. He really could have been. I know, but you can't, dude. You can't. Well, I know. I'm going based off of what I saw there. I he has say, zero what if I NFL th- career. What if I grew a third zero. arm out of my ass? I'd be the greatest. Now, that that's a hell of a lot less more likely than Maurice Claret playing two more Dude, seasons. Dude, can you imagine Come me working now. at the Japanese steakhouse with three arms? I'd be tearing it up. <laughs> Dude, I'm just picturing, like, men in black. Like, all of a sudden, like, you. <laughs> but, yeah, I know what you're saying, man. He was prolific. I really think that he'd be somewhere in the top three of this list had he. Well, had like, like let me ask you this. Let me just ask you this hypothetically. Give me one year J.K. Dobbins or one year Maurice Claret. Who would you take? Give me one uh, year. One year. Uh, yeah, I got to take Claret. Claret. Yeah. And that. See what um, I'm saying? See what I'm I saying? I see what you're saying. But if you're saying I got to take a career, I'm if, taking J.K. Right. If you're taking a career overall as a whole, I understand I'm J.K. as well. And J.K. Yep. is, we're not taking anything away from him. But Maurice Claret was just different, man. And maybe that's just us being nostalgic. And that was our graduating high school year. And, you know, that whole year was special. Maybe all that allure ties into it. But 
you know, I guess if we can go back in history and time, and I had a chance to put one running back on my team for one year, especially out of between these two, I'd probably pick Maurice as well. We got J.K. Dobbins going. Yeah, so <laughs> I can see that, but but yeah, that's hypothetical. You know where that's you know we're not basing it off of hypotheticals. We we have our final four matchups. It is Eddie George against Keith Byers and Zeke Elliott against J.K. Dobbins. Man, these are uh, these are some impressive matchups. Now, I mean, we're getting to the nitty gritty. So, give me your initial synopsis off Eddie George and Keith Byers. That I don't even need to think about it. It's Eddie George. Yeah, that one. That one. Um, it's hard to get on Eddie George's level, man. I mean, he's he's just too iconic for the Ohio State program. He's just way too iconic. Even his college career alone beats yeah. Keith Byers, let alone his NFL career. I picture him so, like looking at Keith Byers. He gives him the Heisman pose, and then he moves into the bracket. That's it. He moves into the next slot. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and he could probably do that all the way home free. We'll we'll wait and see. But yeah. I agree with you, Eddie George, moving on. And I feel bad not spending a lot of time on that Final Four matchup, but you know we, we've talked about both those players, and I think it's pretty clear. Um, I would expect most of our listeners would probably agree with that as well. All Moving right. on, who you got next? Zeke, JK. This is the hardest matchup for me in the whole it's, thing. It's been the hardest one for me, too. The hardest one. You know, you and I have had this conversation, kind of. Okay, not not to the extent we're getting ready to have it, but I'm just saying we've had this conversation. I am a J.K. Dobbins guy. Okay, I'm a Justin Fields guy. I'm a J.K. Dobbins guy. Um, And dude, although I can see this going either way. Okay, I can see it being Zeke and I'm not faulting anybody that thinks that and I can see it being J.K. Um, If you really look at the stats. They're almost identical. And that's they played the same amount of years. Um, Zeke has 3,961 yards in his career. JK has 4,459. Okay. That's quite a bit of yards difference, but Zeke has more touchdowns than JK. And there's a lot of accolades, other than the fact that, you know, like you said, you think about Zeke and you think about what he meant to the team that he was on uh, during that time. There's that as well. For me, um, and I take the NFL into into account too. Zeke had a pretty good couple of years there, and then he kind of trailed off. JK had a couple of years, and you know he kind of well, he's not trailed off yet. But I'm just saying, you know, they're very, very similar, dude. To me, this is a coin flip for me. But for me, I went JK. So I'm going to disagree with you here, and I went with Zeke, and I'm going to explain why. So. A lot of what you were saying, I do agree with. And it was that, that's why it was difficult because I understand how important JK was uh, to those teams, especially in 2019. I mean, we had such a special team in 2019. But one thing, you know, just as an individual that I can say is, and you, you would probably agree with me, is JK didn't, at least most of his career, did not have that breakaway speed. He would get run down sometimes. While Zeke Elliott, was tough to tackle and had breakaway speed because Zeke Elliott was actually a track athlete as well, even at his size. True, but J.K. was a better receiver. He was. He was, but Zeke uh, uh, kind of started integrating that later in his years. But I just cannot get over the three-game stretch. 
that Zeke had. You're talking Wisconsin rushes for over 200 yards. Alabama rushes for over 200 yards in the semifinal CFP. Then in the national championship game, rushes for over 200 yards against Oregon. He single-handedly, as we were like the number six ranked team going into conference championship weekend, helps us to blow out Wisconsin 59 nothing, and actually helps us jump two spots to get into the CFP. Then has one of the most iconic Ohio State plays of all time in that 80-yard touchdown run, 85 yards, whatever it is, against Alabama to help almost seal it pretty much at the end. And then goes on to pretty much run all over Oregon in the national title game. I mean, he well, he had almost, what, 700 yards of rushing in three games against three really good opponents. But let me tell you this, though. Let me give you just one little piece, okay? J.K. Dobbins is the first player ever in Ohio State history to rush for 1,000 yards or more as a freshman, sophomore, and a junior. Yeah. On top of that, he averaged 174 yards a game and 6.4 yards a carry against six defenses that were ranked in the top 13. Think about that. No, I, I listen, that's why it's tough, man. It's he tough. is also the second leading rusher of all time at Ohio State behind only the great Archie Griffin. Yeah. I know, man, but I'm going to simply ask you this. How many titles did J.K. win? Well, it doesn't matter. We're, we're talking about who wins, who's the best running back. No, I'm asking you titles. a question. You don't deflect. How many titles did J.K. win? How many titles did Ezekiel Elliott win one. by himself? One. He None. won one. Because that has nothing to do with the running back position. It has to do with it. D- uh, that was a big portion of it because uh, Ezekiel Elliott had to do that with a third-string quarterback. J.K. Dobbins, do was think- doing, J.K. Dobbins was doing that with starters, especially Justin Fields in his best year. But do you think, looking at the stats, what I just told you, if you look up Ezekiel Elliott's stats and you look up J.K. Dobbins' stats, Who's the better running back? It's splitting hairs, man. The it's a little bit apples to oranges on what they did in regards to it's I more guess like apples to banana because that's what I feel like sure. you're trying to give me right now. Well, what's your flavor? <laughs> what's your flavor? In it? But listen, I'm sorry, dude. I'm on Zeke Elliott, and I will. I, I can't bend off that. I feel like you owe me one. You got to give me Zeke. I can't. Now I love J.K. Dobbins. I would. I, I absolutely love J.K. Dobbins, dude. And not on a bash top on of him. all that. I also think that Zeke is a gigantic piece of shit. Well, maybe after the fact, but you know what? He was, like like I said, single-handedly involved in helping us win that 2014 title. And because he was underutilized, underutilized, that shows how important he was because he was underutilized the following year. That's the reason we lost the only game we lost against Michigan State. And you're not backing down from this one. I'm not. I can't. I can't let you have J.K. in this one. All right. Well, I want it known. Buckeye Nation, I 100% do not agree with this, and I'll take J.K. all day. But um, I don't think that we're ever going to get anywhere um, in this way. So I guess I'll choose the uh, banana (laughs) as my flavor, (laughs) and we'll move on with Zeke Kelly. Banana smoothie. You can have it as a smoothie, all right? All right. I appreciate it. I finally feel like I got a win off of you. But – you can't sit there and say that you're actually that disappointed by Ezekiel Elliott being in the finals because you know damn well 
I mean, he's one of the top three in the last it makes 35, me happy 40 years. As an Ohio State fan, that we're even arguing about this kind of greatness versus the, another kind of greatness. Yeah, and I know? mean, this is the top end, man. This is the top end of running backs over the last 35, 40 years. It so. is. It, it makes me proud in that sense. I am just not the biggest Zeke fan. He was a great running back. I'm just personally, I'm not a huge fan. I, I get it, man. Listen, I there's always per, some personal bias with everyone. I mean, there's a reason why Braxton Miller is one of my all-time favorites. And it's not statistical-based or anything like that. It's just... When I watched the game, he was someone I thoroughly enjoyed watching. And you're not a fan. But just in the same token, you're a huge Terrell Pryor fan, and I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's some bias there. Everyone has their own personal flavor with who they like. I mean, I'm sure there's people that despise jo- uh, C.J. Stroud. You're more on that end. I'm someone that appreciated I, dude, more I, what he did. First of all, let me just set the record straight a little bit. I don't despise C.J. Stroud. I think he has an attitude problem. And I don't know if it comes from maturity. I don't know. But that's my problem with C.J. Stroud. I don't think that he is a team player. I do not think he's a leader. Okay, I think he's a great football player. I just don't know how good of a human he is. That's kind of where I'm at. All right. I'm not going to say you're right or wrong. I mean, but it's your opinion. It's how you feel about him. Just like I guarantee everyone that's listening to our episode, I mean, they have a way they feel about someone as well. So, I mean, at this point. I wonder who feels about you. I wonder what people feel about you after what you did to Kenny Guyton. You, it, how long is this going to go on for <laughs> at some point? Because at some point, it's getting old. <laughs> not today, right. though. No, obviously it's not today. <laughs> so we'll try again next week. See if maybe if it dies off then. If not, then we'll dress it then. I guess so. so All right, let's got, get to our, next? Yeah, let's get to our finals, man. And I'll tell you what, dude, it's a... It's a hell of a matchup, but it is Eddie George and Zeke Elliott. Um, Dude, for me, I'm not going to say anything about either one of these that hasn't already been said. We already know. So at this point in time, we're coming down to who do you feel is the best guy? Okay. And when I look at Zeke, um, and I think Zeke and JK were interchangeable uh, for me. So it's pretty much the same deal. If if JK was going up against him, I'd have the same opinion. Um, Dude, at the end of the day, Eddie George is Eddie George, bud. Heisman winner, like probably in my opinion, other than Archie, probably the best running back in Ohio State history. Give me Archie or give me uh, give me Eddie all day long. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it either, man. Eddie George, uh, you can't win a Heisman as a running back at Ohio State and not already be head and shoulders above the competition. Uh, I'm not even. I don't even know. I might be wrong. I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain. But was Zeke ever even invited to New York? I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't think something was. not true. I don't. I don't feel like he was. Now, I again, I could be wrong, but I really don't even feel like Zeke was ever even invited to New York. I mean, you could be right. Now they've only started doing that over the last. I don't know what ten years or so, because they used to just make an announcement. There was never this big ceremony and inviting the handful of people, whatever. I mean, they might have did the ceremony for the winter, but, you know, I think it's gotten a little bit of participation trophy-ish with the new ceremony because they're inviting, you know, the top three, top four people, and they go through all these interviews and everything. They didn't have that back in the day. They pretty much announced the Heisman winner, and it was what it was. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, man. I mean, it is closer than what we're absolutely just saying, even though I know we sound definitive of what we're saying, because I feel like if you had either of these players in their prime on your team, you're set. You're absolutely set at the running back position. Well, dude, I could say that about anybody really in the top five that we're talking about here. I mean, you're pretty set with most of these guys that we're talking yeah, about. I mean, you're 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 not wrong, but I think I would agree, Eddie George. So okay. there is our winner for our running back top sixteen bracket. So Eddie George has won the running back bracket. And he will join Justin Fields in the final bracket at the end of our offseason for best overall. Uh, I'm not going to say player because we plan on having some other brackets that may not necessarily be player involved, maybe more team oriented or whatever. And that's probably another one we should even do, too, is best overall Ohio State team by year. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So, um, you know, just I, I rack my brain. But the best thing to call this thing, we're going to call it the best Buckeye at the end of this. Okay. And it can be, it's not going to be based on stats because you can't, you know, you can't compare a defensive lineman to a wide receiver and and vice versa. So we're going to go with who's the best Buckeye at the end of this. Once we get all the position groups done and we come up with the, the last um, and final standings for everything, uh, we're going to seed everybody and we're going to go. And I do, I think it'd be great to, to maybe, uh, at this point, possibly, you know, add everybody else in and see what their opinions are as well. You know what I mean? But, right. uh, yeah, best Buckeye. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, that's a good point, man. So uh, we've pretty much wrapped this episode up. Um, if you disagree or if you agree, I mean, guys, feel free to re- feel free to reach out to us. I mean, we have our Facebook page. We have Twitter. Um, hopefully, you know, by the beginning of summer, uh, we're definitely working on a, 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 a website where we plan on having more interactive stuff there as well and links to all of our different things that we have, all of our social media, all the links to our episodes, uh, possibility of merchandise in the future, um, anything. So, But we, we really love the feedback that we've gotten, so keep it coming. And, uh, you know, you never know. You might share something that might give us an idea or something that might give you a shout-out on an episode. And moving forward, I mean, we only plan on growing this thing. So there's always potential that if we really start getting these listeners and these people that are, you know, really kind of showing support for what we're doing, that somehow we're going to get you guys involved. Because ultimately, you love Ohio State. We love Ohio State. We're all here for the same reason. So, you know, let's all kind of be in the same boat here together. So anything to add on that, Chad? No, man. Just thanks, everybody, for listening and uh, look forward to, uh, to uh, you know, the brackets coming forward. And also, in the words of uh, Mike Epps, tell your friends about me. <laughs> you and your movie quotes today. I'll be honest, been on point. Been on point. Yeah. All right, guys, as always, uh, you can check us out on all major streaming services. We're on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Uh uh, come on over to our facebook page uh, give us a like give us a listen uh give us some info some messages whatever just interact with us um we're always adding some extra things on there too sharing current events current information so you can get uh your info that way as well and uh we also have our twitter page so if you want to be interactive there we don't use that as much but we still do interact with our twitter page but 
Uh, until next week, guys, which uh, you should be expecting uh, some more information in our offseason as well as probably coming up our wide receiver bracket. So definitely be on the lookout for that. But until next time, guys, go Bucks. OH.